Well, today we're going to uh, get back to our series, um, and we're almost done with this series, the Buy Popular Demand series. And um, Buy Popular Demand, if you're, you're visiting with us today, I've kind of been saying the same thing every week as we've been doing this for about a month and a half now. It's not um, the weekend all request radio show, you know, um, by demand I want this certain sermon. Rather, I've been trying to deal with issues and topics that as I've been, you know, lead pastor for 24 years, are the repetitive things, the things that I hear over and over, the questions I'm asked, or the things that I see that, that, that people, it just really resonates with their hearts, and they need to, they say, I want to know more about that. Um, and some of them are things that, there's a couple of them that people said over years, I really want to hear a message preached about that. And so today, um, we're going to do kind of part two of our by popular demand topic that we started last week. And the topic that we're, gonna, that we're talking about is one of the, probably the main ones that I hear people ask me questions about. Um, and I'll start by saying this, you know, I'm not exactly sure why other than just the grace of God, but for some reason in our lives, God has used myself, my, my wife, my family to just lead lots and lots of people to Jesus that didn't know Jesus before. Um, and not just really, not as my role as a pastor, just kind of in my, our roles in, in life. And because of that, um, I talk about it a lot. And so I have always had a lot of people come to me and say, how do I do that? How, do you, how, come, how come that works? And, and so I, I try to explain and, and model and, and teach it because here's what I know about you. You really want to see your, your family and your friends and your neighbors, your coworkers know Jesus. I know you do. Because if you didn't believe this was real, you wouldn't, you wouldn't waste your Sunday morning. Because that's what it would be. If this wasn't real, if a relationship with Jesus wasn't real and it wasn't vital to your life, you'd find something else to do. But you're here today. You come on Wednesdays, you teach kids and rangers, you, there's all kinds of people working with children today in kids' church. Why? Because we really understand the most important thing in life is having a connection with the creator of the universe, with the divine you know, God, and that as people created, he calls us by name, and that we can, we can walk with him every day. And you're, you're learning that, and some of you have known it for a long time, and, and you want to share that. And so from taking a few weeks to try to explain, how do you do that? And so we've been talking about this, this bi-popular demand topic of joining with Jesus on his mission to seek and to save those, those who are lost. Joining with Jesus, that's Jesus' mission. We're going to see that in a minute. And we, we did it in two parts because last week I wanted to deal with what I thought was the most important part before we get into any how-tos, and that's the why. Why should we be engaged in thinking and caring about why anybody else should hear this message? And we found last week that, that why, why would we want to be involved with Jesus and his, and his mission of seeking and saving those who are lost? And we talked about two reasons, and I just want to remind you of them today. If you want to get more into depth than these, just go on our podcast. Matter of fact, I was talking to somebody this very week about our podcast, and I said, well, you can just go on our podcast and listen to any messages. And they said, I can? And I thought, hello, yes, you can. And they said, does it cost anything? I said, well, of course not. And so you just go to portviewchurch.com and you can listen to all of our messages. And so um, you can go listen to the one if you want more detail on, on the why we should be concerned about reaching, joining Jesus in his mission of seeking and saving the lost. And we said there were two, two reasons. And the first reason is one that we generally think of. It's because we get to partner with Jesus in helping save people from destruction. We talked about in Second Peter that, that it talks about the world is being preserved for judgment and destruction. And it says, and it says in there something really hard. It says the destruction of the world and the destruction of ungodly people. 
And we talked about what that means. And, and uh, it's people who don't know Jesus yet because their sins aren't forgiven yet. And, and, we, and we said that what a, what a tragedy that any person would, would be born and live and die without Christ and then face you know, eternal and, and, and just horrible destruction. But that the Bible says it's true. And so we said, why? Well, of course we want to partner with God in reaching people. And we said it's kind of like watching a train go through a valley on the tracks. And we see the bridges out. And we have a choice. We can either do our best to stop the train and alert the people, get off, the train's going over the cliff, or we can just sit by and say, well, but my family's not on the train. I really don't, it doesn't matter to me. And of course, our, our love of Christ inside of us compels us to say, let's go stop the train. And so we want to tell people so they don't face destruction and damnation. But there's another reason, and it's much more positive than that. I guess that is positive in a sense that we get to help them go from death to life. That can't be more positive. But there's one that feels even better or more positive, and it's this. Another reason that we join with Jesus on this mission is it's because the only way a person can ever find their real destiny in life is by first coming to Jesus. That, that we become who God created us to be after we come to Christ. That, that we can accomplish all kinds of great things, but our life in Jesus, we actually discover our destiny. And we talked about how a, a Saul becomes a Paul. And how you become somebody different. Because when you come to Christ and that your ultimate doubt and that your ultimate fulfillment in life comes from a walk with Jesus. And, and we looked at those reasons why and we said, wow, that's a good reason. Those are great reasons that we want to be involved in Jesus' mission. You know, and we started with why and, and there's a reason. You know, as I'm saying, we start with why. And, and, and here's something I want you to really understand before we get to the how about the why. The reason we take a whole day, we took a whole day to look at the why of this or Parents, when you raise your kids, the reason that when they ask you, you tell them to do something, they say, why? That you don't just say, because I said so. The reason we explain things and give, give the why is because why, the why of life, why I do things, needs to be the real motivation for what we do. We need to understand the why of life. The why, why would I partner with Jesus? The why do I, kids, why do you have to go to school? I'm sorry to say, but school starts again in a couple of weeks. You know, why? I'm sorry, I'm really, I wish, I wish it never happened because I love my kids at home, but, but um, why? There's always whys, and the reason that we talk about the why is because the why is the, 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 the engine. It's the motivation for doing what we do. If we don't know the why of what we do, and we don't believe in the why of what we do, then what we do is simply rules. What we do then becomes just duty, it becomes empty religion in the religious side of life, and it becomes legalism. And I want something so much more than that for all of you. I want more than that for me. And here's what I find in life. I can easily understand the why today, and in years I drift away from the why, and I just do it because I ought to. And there's some things you just do it because you ought to. You've got you to get up and go to work, so you ought to set the alarm. You know, but... um. So... But when I function just the ought to and I forget the why, it becomes empty and it becomes legalism and it drains the life out of you. But if you understand the why and you always remember the why and you rehearse the why, it energizes you. So that's why we spent a week talking about the why. And now hopefully because of the spending all that time on the why and now just rehearsing the why for a few minutes this morning, now hopefully there's this internal motivation that says, but now let's move on to the how. Because sometimes we just talk about the why, but we don't talk about the how. And, and I want to share with you just kind of the idea of how. How do you join with Jesus on the mission? Now, I've got to tell you up front something, and some of you probably got pen in hand in your notes, and I hope you take notes, but you're ready to say, give me the three points. Well, it doesn't work like that. 
in joining with Jesus on a mission to seek and to save those who are lost. Let me tell you up front this. There's no secret formula. There is no secret formula. What I'm going to share with you today is really just about a lifestyle. It's about living on mission with Jesus. It's about really being Jesus being the core of your life. And I mean, I say really Jesus being the core of your life. Not just an add-on that really everything else is the core, something else is the core, career is the core, money is the core, recreation is the core, and Jesus is just one component. He's kind of like a planet orbiting your life. Rather, Jesus is the core. That if Jesus really is the core of your life, then joining with him on his mission is simply a natural result of your relationship with him. It will flow out of you. It will become part of who you are. And so the how is, is a natural, but let me talk about just kind of how you can look at that, what, what components could be in that natural life, in that natural relationship that could make you be better at, at reaching people for Christ and joining Jesus on his mission. So how? How do we join with Jesus on his mission and really join him in his mission of seeking and saving those who are lost? Well, let's begin by looking at a story from Scripture. Where The reason I want to start with this story, it's in Luke 19. The reason I want to start with this story is we're simply looking at Jesus living on mission. Jesus living the mission that, he's talk, that we're talking about joining with him. And we're just looking at it and saying, well, this is just a day in the life of Jesus. And Jesus always lived on mission. And so if we are connected to Christ, we're, we're born again, we live with Jesus, and we're, we're wanting, he's the core of my life, and I'm walking with him. Now how do I... Um, as I walk with him, I look what he does. Now I want to model, I want to fo- imitate what he does. And so let's look at a day in the life of Jesus from Luke 19. And we'll learn some things out of this about how. How we join with Jesus in the mission. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. This is a story about the conversion of a guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, I know, is, um, we sing songs about him. If you grew up in church, Zacchaeus is a wee little man, a wee little man is he. Matter of fact, one time I started off a sermon. It was awesome. Um, we used to have this puppet stage in a different church we were at. And the puppet was a, was, what's the little guy, a ventriloquist guy? What's the name of him? What they call those things? Uh, I want to say a mannequin, but it's got a different name. Anyways, a marionette, but it had no head. And what you do is the person, it was Joshua, you would stick your head through this curtain in the puppet stage and it strapped onto your neck. And it had little wires to work the hands. And I had Josh start a sermon one time as Zacchaeus saying he was Zacchaeus singing Zacchaeus is a wee little man as the beginning of a sermon because we sing songs about Zacchaeus and it was hilarious. And if I still had that, I would have asked Brett to do it, I guess, today. You know, it was awesome. Brett wouldn't do it. But it was hilarious, funny. and People were falling out of their chairs laughing because there's this person's head, you know, and singing a song with this little, this little mannequin body hanging off and the hands singing. But we sing songs about Zacchaeus. But you know what's funny is we kind of sing songs about Zacchaeus and uh, I don't know if we really know what a nasty guy he was. You know, we're going to read about him in a minute, but Zacchaeus, he was, a, he was a crook. He was a chief tax collector. They hated, the Jews hated the Jews who became tax collectors because they were, they were traitors. They served the Roman, the Roman government. They extorted money from their own people and they extorted it. They, they were allowed to collect so much tax, but they collected a lot more and they became rich by it. And this is a story about, it, about Zacchaeus, his conversion. So look at, at Luke 19. And we'll, read, we'll read the story of Zacchaeus starting in verse 1. It says, he and he is Jesus here, entered Jericho and was passing through. So that's a really important point here. He's just passing through town. Okay, so he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna stop to do something as he's passing through town. 
He's passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And interestingly, he was rich. He probably thought he had everything. Jesus recognized he had nothing. Verse 3. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and received him gladly. And when they, the onlookers, when they saw it, that Jesus was going with Zacchaeus, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So Jesus is looking for a sinner. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stopped and he said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is one of the titles of Christ, he's talking about himself. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 10 there. Jesus says his mission. I've been referring to it for three weeks now. We've used that same text. That Jesus is on a mission. He's on this mission, it says, to seek and to save that which was lost. Those who are lost. And this situation of Zacchaeus gives us some information, some insight into how he then walked out that mission, how he fulfilled it. And the first thing I want you to notice from our text, and I pointed out a few things uh, as we went through it, but the first thing that I just want to point out and, and spend a little time on this morning is that we learn from this story, is that it's this. And, and this is something that, that you need to get if you're walking with Jesus and you want to be part of the mission. And you're going to say, duh, when I say it. But I've been, I've been doing this for a long time, and, and I think a lot of times we believe something improper. And I want to straighten it out right from the beginning, and it's this. This is the point I want you to get. That people don't meet Jesus as Savior by accident. That Jesus don't meet people... People don't meet Jesus as Savior by accident. But what we see from this story of the conversion of Zacchaeus, who's a sinner, who doesn't know Christ, is that Jesus, even though he was busy doing something, just passing through Jericho on his way to do something else, that his eyes were open to his mission, his heart was in tune to his mission, and that he was always seeking after people who needed to meet him as Savior and Lord. And it shows in this story here that what Jesus did, Jesus, as a seeker, seeker after lost people, went out of his way to connect with Zacchaeus. And basically in the vernacular of the day, it's what happened. He went by Zacchaeus, he saw him in a tree and said, hey Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to go to your house for lunch today. And so he, he goes out of his way with eyes wide open to find somebody who's lost and he says to them, let's do lunch. It was no accident. It didn't just happen. Jesus didn't sit at home and pray, Oh God, I pray my family gets saved. Oh God, I pray my neighbors come to know you. No, you need to pray first. Jesus is always praying. He was praying for that. Jesus, I, Lord, Father, I'm on a mission. Show me who's open to your message. He prayed that prayer all the time. But then when he walked through life, he had his eyes wide open. Friend, here's the key. Here's a, the number one key probably. People come to find Jesus. When those who already know Jesus, seek them out 
and then reveal Jesus to them. It's not really that complicated. That's how it happens. People come to find Jesus when those who already know Jesus seek them out, look for them. They're looking in the trees for them. And then they reveal Jesus. They reveal Jesus to them. I want you to think about something this morning. And this is kind of a thought that I try to, I try to get you to think about a lot. And I say this in different ways quite often. But I want you to think about this today in this context. Did you know that if you are a follower of Christ, and many of you in here are, and some of you might not be yet, but you could be today. Do you know if you're a follower of Jesus, then you, point, take, take your finger and put it in your chest. Say me. Me. That you and me, that you are to reveal Jesus to those who don't know him yet. That you are. That it's your mission. Now, you didn't create the mission. You're just joining Jesus. You're not doing your own mission. You're just joining with Jesus on his mission. It's the mission. But for that to happen, you must seek after people in order to do this. You must be looking for the Zacchaeuses in the tree. And understand, they don't come to you. Now, I'm not saying it could never happen, but it rarely happens. They don't just walk up and knock on your door and say, I'm here to find out about Jesus. It could happen. Generally, you see them and you knock on their door and you say, hey, can I bring you a pie? Because something inside you is saying, do something nice for that person. Did you know that the reason that God gave you the job you have or the job that he is going to give you is ultimately so that you can seek out lost people and reveal Jesus to them? That's the ultimate reason that you have the job you have or the job you're going to have? Did you know that the main reason God gave you the skills and the passions for the sports and the recreation that you enjoy is ultimately so that you can reveal Jesus to those who don't know Jesus yet? Maybe somebody else on the team, somebody else in the club, somebody else at the Y, somebody else who sits in the stands and cheers every single week. And you're there to look for the Zacchaeuses, to seek them out and then reveal Jesus to them. Did you know that the reason that you live where you do and that you are even biologically in the family that you are in is ultimately so that you can reveal Jesus to those who don't know Jesus yet? That part of your mission is to look for them hiding in the trees of life? Did you know that you, we pointed to ourselves as a follower of Jesus, are to be an influencer? You're to be an influencer for Jesus. Looking for people who don't know him yet. But you're looking for them, but you're not just looking them to identify them. You're looking for them so that you can influence them by revealing Jesus to them. Grab your Bibles and let's see that Jesus, exactly what Jesus says. Turn back to the Gospel of Matthew. Look at chapter 5 with me, a real familiar section of Scripture. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Matthew chapter 5, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, right after the Beatitudes. And he talks about all the people who pointed at their chest. Everybody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. So he says, he says, you, put your name in there. And you're taking your Bible and write Mark, where you, or Suzanne, or anybody. Write your name. You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When Jesus described you and me, he described his followers. When he said what we're to be, he would say here in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to be the light of the world. You are to let your light shine in such a way that they, other people who don't know him yet, may see your good works, your efforts, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus looks at you and me and he says that ultimately we are created to bring influence. That's what he's talking about here. Like light influences the popcorn that you eat. Uh, like salt, rather, not light. Salt influences the popcorn that you eat because salt, salted popcorn tastes good if the lights are on and the lights off. Like salt influences the popcorn that you eat and like light influences the darkness by illuminating what's around you so you don't stumble. We are to influence those around us. Jesus said that we were created to shine. So he says this, he says, don't hide your light under a basket. Every one of us has been created to influence the people around us. And friends, understand, each of us knows people that none of the rest of us knows. That God has strategically put you in those relationships as an influencer, and we need to seek out those who need to be influenced in our sphere of influence. Now, we have a, a phrase here at Portview that I've been trying to teach for about six months. A phrase that explains the how we are to influence those around us who don't know Jesus yet. Those that we have sought, we've looked, we found a Zacchaeus in a tree, and we've tried to say, how do I influence that person so that they just might come to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord? And there's three words. And there's these three words. Invest and invite. Very simple. Three words. Say it with me. Invest and invite. This is our how. This is the strategic how of how you get to join Jesus on his mission. First of all, invest. We'll talk about invite in a minute. But invest. Friends, the, gate, the way that God wants us to influence people is by investing into their lives. See, sometimes we make the mistake. We think that the way we're supposed to reach lost people is we're supposed to go out and just preach the gospel at them. We, you know why there's a, a derogatory name to evangelicals, evangelicals referring to this book? What do they call you? A Bible what? Thumper. Boy, you all knew it. You know why? Because we're guilty of it. When I was just saved, I got saved, and I, and it's, and I got radically saved. And I went from being... Uh, you know, sitting in the bars all the time to now I got saved and I would go to the bars with my Bible and start preaching at people. People would scatter. I remember walking in, you know where the Bag End, the Bag End bars in West Bend? I remember going to the, driving in the park, that's where I used to hang out, at the parking lot of the Bag End and uh, driving in there and I saw people hiding in their cars. God's honest truth. Because I was the ultimate Bible thumper. You know, I've, I've, at least I've transitioned to Burgundy, but it was a big old black Bible, you know, and, and Jesus hates sinners. You know, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Here's the deal. The way God wants you to influence people, I'm not saying you don't use the word, but Jesus didn't start pounding Zacchaeus with the Bible. You know, you're wrong. He didn't do that. He, the way he did is he invested into him um, 
with his life. He influenced him by investing into his life. He said, let's do lunch. He invested into him. Friends, it doesn't matter, and here's the deal. People say to me all the time when they're talking to me about this, well, but Pastor Mark, you're just this, this, you know, open personality, and you're really, you know, you like to talk to people, and, and, you know, and, and so that just fits you, but I don't believe that's God's plan. It doesn't matter what personality type you have because you're going to touch people that I can't touch because I freak people out sometimes. Start talking to them, they hide. They're like, God, that guy's so loud, you know. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't hear too many amens, I hope. <laughs> but it, it, it is true. It doesn't matter if you're bold or shy. There's people that you can talk to that won't even listen to me. It doesn't matter how much money you have. We think of investment a lot of times. It means I must, it's, it, talks, it takes resources. I must spend on it. That doesn't mean it at all. Although it might cost you something because guess what? It's not your money anyways. It's not mine. It's God's. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're rich or poor. All of us can invest in others. To, this is, look, get this, friends. To invest in others is simply one thing. It's to care about them and put that care into action. That's all it is. It's to care about them and to put that care into action. Our motto around here is Portview is what? People who care. That's, that's God's plan for us. It's just to put that care into action. That's why we chose that, that way to say it because caring kind of gets that sense of that we not only feel it, but we do it. So we're people who care. We put our care into action. You invest in someone when you are kind to them and you invest in someone when you help them out or give them a hand. When you go next door and you cut the neighbor's grass or in the winter, which heaven forbid it's going to snow pretty soon, but you shovel their sidewalk or more you snowball their sidewalk or you babysit for their kids when you know they can't afford a babysitter or you bake them a pie or you take time just to talk to them Instead of when you pull in the driveway, hitting the opener, watching the garage door go up, driving in, hitting close, and they're right next to you and you never even say hi. You show you care when you take time just to listen to somebody. The other day I was caught up short by this. I have a neighbor and I didn't even know this. His, his father's in the ICU and I, did, I pulled in my driveway. I walked in the garage and I felt a check in my spirit. He was standing outside. I walked back out of my garage and I said, how are you doing? He goes, oh, man, my dad's in the ICU. I said, is there any way I can help? And we had a 15, 20-minute conversation. Honestly, I was busy. But it, when you're on mission with Jesus, you're always looking. I know that guy doesn't know Christ. You're always looking for Zacchaeus in a tree. And you want to invest into them. And so I walked back out of the garage, and I said, you know, how are you doing? And I just took time to listen. You know, I didn't have any answers for him. I did kind of make a joke. I said, well, I'm kind of in the business of helping people, so if you want me to help you. Um, something I can do, let me know. He goes, no, nah, there's nothing you can do. Maybe next time they'll say, yeah, could you go to the hospital? See, investing in others is simple. It's simple. It's just going out of your way a little bit to be kind and loving. It's like Jesus did to Zacchaeus. He just went out of his way a little bit. He was busy. He had a plan. He was going through town. He didn't plan on stopping. He didn't plan, because it says in the text, he was, he was planning on going through. He didn't plan on having lunch there today, but he saw Zacchaeus in a tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you don't, I, know, I, can, I, I know you want to know more about God. And so he just was kind. You know, it's kind of what the Bible says about just loving your neighbor as yourself. If you were in need, you'd kind of want somebody to stop and help you too, Right? It's not just a flat tire on the side of the road. It's, it's a need. I don't know Jesus. He's my Savior. See, friends, when you invest in others, you are influencing them. They begin to see you as a little bit different than the other people in the world. 
They begin, Jesus said, you'll do it and they'll, they'll glorify God in heaven because they see your good works. They'll begin to, to ask, what makes that person different? What makes that person tick? Why would they have walked in the garage, you know, dummy, and see you walk back out of the garage and say, how you doing? Why, why would they do that? Why are they nice? They begin to ask. You're influencing. Your influence, friends, is revealing the reality of Jesus in you. It's showing that you really do care. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this. We're generally pretty good at investing and influencing others in our church family. So we take responsibility to say, let's be part of Royal Rangers. Let's, right now, there's, there's all kinds of people volunteering in kids' ministries. Um, we do have a great Wednesday night program. We've taken the month of August off as an experiment. We normally don't do that, but we have all kinds of people investing in the people on Wednesday nights here uh, in doing ministry. We're generally pretty good at investing into and influencing others in our church family. You know, and as we, as a church, work on developing authentic community, helping one another, spending a lot of time together, that's great and it's good and it's as it should be. That's why I love our connect groups. If you're not in a connect group, the next group link's coming up. You need to join a connect group. You need to get connected with other people. That's wonderful. We're generally pretty good at it as Christians. But here's the warning. If you're not careful and you've served Jesus for a while and if you're not intentional, our lives will over time be filled exclusively with other Christians and in fact, we'll begin to exclude any real relationships with people who don't know Jesus yet. And we're not influencing them at all. Friends, if we're going to join with Jesus on his mission of seeking and saving those who are lost, then we need to be in relationship with people who do not yet know Jesus. And that means we must seek out those relationships. And you know what? The people who are around Jesus, remember what I said about the story of Zacchaeus? They got mad at him when he did it. They said, did you see Jesus? He's meeting with sinners. Doesn't he know that guy's a sinner? And Jesus is like, that's why I'm having lunch with them, you knucklehead. That's what he wanted to say to them. That's why I'm spending time with them. Because Jesus said, I came for the sick, not the healthy. I'm looking for the one who needs help. I'm looking for the one who knows he's sin sick. And so we need to look for those relationships and build relationships with people we know don't know Jesus yet. And friends, as we invest in the people around us, just being loving and kind, what we do is this. This is it's not a magical formula. You just keep your eyes open for what God is doing in others' lives around you. You stop being so tunnel visioned. You start to say, I'm on mission with Jesus. And Jesus is trying to seek to save the lost. And I'm on mission with him. So give me your eyes, Jesus. We sing a song about that. Give me your eyes. That's what, we're, that's what we're asking for. It's a prayer put to word. It's a, a prayer put to music. We're saying, give us your eyes to see other people. You see, you will see there are people that you rub shoulders with every day, your circle of influence, that are spiritually hungry. They're the Zacchaeuses. They're crawling up trees to see if they can find something about Jesus. And you say, but it's not that clear sometimes. Not, sometimes it's not, even if it's not that clearly evident. Some of the people around you want to know if God is really real. They want to know if they can really know Him in a personal way, the way they've heard people talk about it. And they want to know if He really ever could forgive them. Because this is what I've heard so many times as I've shared to people. They say, yeah, yeah, but you don't get it. You don't know what I've done. 
And I always say, friend, you don't know what I've done. It's why God chose people like the Apostle Paul, a murderer, to be his follower. Because when they would say, but you don't know what I've done, he'd go, man, no, you don't know what I've done. Because it's not about perfection. It's not about being good. It's about needing a Savior. There's people around us who know that they need, they, they need, they want to know, can I be forgiven? Friends, there are people looking for answers. They're feeling the tug of God's spirit deep within them and they're wondering what that tug is. A lot of times they don't even know what it is. They're feeling this uneasiness, this spiritual uneasiness. They have no idea what's going on in their lives because no one's ever told them. They're like the, the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot that time when, when Philip runs up and he's reading the Bible. He says, he says you know what you're reading? He says, I don't know. Somebody's got to explain it. They're feeling that churning inside and they're wondering what that churning is and God's going to strategically put you in their lives so that you can answer it. But you've got to have eyes wide open to see them and you've got to be willing to invest into them in order to help them. So you look for those who are seeking something spiritual. That's what Jesus saw in Zacchaeus. Why else would this guy climb up in a tree, a businessman, a rich businessman, climb up in a tree to watch Jesus coming by? It was evidence that there was some kind of spiritual something taking, in his pla- taking place in his life, and Jesus monopolized on that opportunity. That's, the, that's the, the, the great thing to learn from that story. Not about a formula. It's about looking and saying, he had eyes to see that that guy crawled up, climbed up a tree for a reason. He wasn't there to go deer hunting. He was there because Jesus was walking by. And friends, the way that you know that God is doing something spiritual in someone's life is generally you will see things or you'll be alerted to things or they will ask questions that are spiritual in focus. Maybe they ask you, you, you and here's what, you know, you're, open, you're open about your life. That's why I think being transparent is so, so wonderful. You say, hey man, we had this great gun shoot on Saturday with our church. And they go, your church shoots guns? <laughs> what? Yeah, we had this great gun shooting. We blew up all these things and we shot trap and we did all this stuff. And they go, wow, that's pretty neat. Why would your church do that? And you go, well, we're not like the gun church. We just believe in connecting authentically with one another. And it's kind of a thing that a bunch of people have fun and a bunch of people kind of like that. And we got one guy who's a gun nut and he owns a, Roger, you in here? <laughs> a gun nut. You know, and he's got like a bazillion guns and there are all these rare things that no one's seen. So we get to shoot these incredible guns. By the way, you should have seen Bill shoot that 50 cal. Big old strong Bill. Boom! <laughs> Blew you out of your seat almost, all of us. I've shot it before. I'm like, you shoot it. I don't want to shoot it again. But, um, but you're talking about it and all of a sudden they start asking you questions. You know, I'm always like this. I'm, I'm kind of just chumming the water all the time. You know what chumming the water means, fishing? You chop a bait and you throw it. And you say, man, that guy talks a lot about fishing and hunting. I do, because that's what I do. You chum the water. You throw this stuff out there. And, you, and you're kind of seeing, you're looking. Is somebody going to come in and start to eat? And so you're throwing things out there. Our church did this, or I did that at church. And you're talking about things. You're not talking about them to talk about the event. You're looking for a Zacchaeus who's climbing the tree. You're looking for them to latch onto it and go, tell me more about that. Because when they say, tell you more They're indicating there's a spiritual hunger in their life. That's their climbing the tree. That's what's going on. Maybe they ask you, you know, do you go to church? Or they say something about, they have doubts about God because you've talked about God before. Or they express um, that that they doubt that they even believe in a God. They won't express that unless there's something going on inside of them. Unless there is a chaos. Otherwise, they're not even thinking about it. So when someone is thinking about and talking about spiritual matters... Friends, that reveals 
that they are experiencing the influence of the Holy Spirit in their life. That the Spirit's doing something in them. That's who you monopolize on. That's who you say, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. The church world's made a mistake for so long, they've been ineffective. What they do is they take their Bibles, they walk down the street, and they talk to every person. You know, if, if you're going to die today, would you go to heaven? And people scatter. Now, I'm not saying no one comes to Christ that way, but statistics say about 2%. 98% of people who get saved don't get saved through a cold contact. And so they, they do that. You know what, what is missing in that? Because God may have a spiritual a Zacchaeus and you just happen to meet him. What happens is that you're not seeing the influence first. Jesus saw the influence. Jesus saw the activity of the Holy Spirit in Zacchaeus. It's why he climbed a tree. So Jesus monopolized on that situation. He didn't try to create the situation. He, he seized on the opportunity and the situation that God had created. It's not man initiated. It's spirit initiated. So you need to have your eyes open and join with the Spirit of God in what he's doing. You see, the scripture says something that you need to be aware of when you're, if you're going to join on a mission. And it's one of my foundational beliefs in, in leading people to Christ. It says in John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No one can come to Jesus, this says me, Jesus, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's the activity and the initiation of the Father by the Spirit. And so I'm not trying to force something. I'm not trying to create something. I'm trying to identify what God is already doing. That's why you're on mission. And you're joining with God on his mission. So when someone is thinking and talking about God and spiritual matters, it is the evidence that they are opening up to God. They're the Zacchaeus. They're not opposed to what God is doing. In fact, they're open to it. Is that making sense so far? Now, these are the people that you need to key in on. I'm not saying you ignore everybody else. You keep on chumming the water. You keep on looking. You keep on seeing who's crawling the trees around you, where the activity of God is. But when you see the activity of God, these are the people you need then to invest into. You look for opportunities to talk to them. You answer their spiritual questions. You pray for them. Maybe you say, hey, let's do lunch. And you say, guess what? I'll even buy. And you don't pound them with a Bible. You ask them questions. You look for doorways and opportunities. And you try to just to invest into their lives and help to participate in the mission that Jesus is already on. You're just joining him on the mission. And you realize that God is inviting you into his mission to bring these people to him so they can avoid destruction and find their destiny. Right? And so those are the people you key in. The Zacchaeuses in the tree. And realize, there are people, these are the people that when you identify them, all of you have them in your life. You just maybe haven't seen them yet. Maybe your eyes haven't been opened. Maybe God hasn't shown you yet. But... But these are the people then that, you, that, as you're, that you're investing into that you then do the second half of the invest in the invite. Those are the people then that you invite to a place where they can encounter God and can have an opportunity to come to know Jesus for themselves. You invite them. And I've, I've come full circle on this in my life. I used to teach people all the time just talk about the four spiritual laws, and I'm not in any way saying you don't share the gospel. Share the gospel as God leads you. Absolutely. Know the gospel. Know it inside and out. The Bible tells us to be ready to give an answer at all times. But I have found this over the years, that when you identify those people, then you take the risk of inviting them to church or to a Bible study or to a small group. You invite them into a place where other believers are gathered, but make sure the other believers aren't a bunch of crazy people. You know what I mean. 
It's why we structure our services in such a way so that you can feel comfortable bringing people here. Because the last thing you want to do is to invest and invest and invest and take the risk of inviting and there's a bunch of lunatics. And you go, wow, then they just think Christians are, are bizarre weirdos. We're not. We're not. We go to gun clubs and blow things up. We're nice, you know. But we also go to City on a Hill and invest in, in, in the most disadvantaged people. And we also send people around the world on missions trips. And we also, you know, train up kids. We really do have an 18-year plan on making disciples for our kids. You know, raising them up because we believe in making disciples. We are people who, who have heads straight on our shoulders and we're doing great things for God as he leads and guides us. But take the risk of inviting them primarily to church or a place where they're around other Christians. See, I found in my life, that the most effective way to bring someone to Jesus is to invest into them, and then, as the Spirit leads, it's not a formula, as the Spirit of God leads, then invite them to church. You see, I stand on a promise from God. That God has given us a promise in His Word. That when we gather together in His name, that He is here with us in a special way. He says, I will be with you when you gather. And we know He's always with us. So there's got to be something special about it when we gather in his name. And so we gather in his name. So I stand, I, I, I base my spiritual life on that reality that when we're gathered in his name, unified in the love of Christ, that if I bring somebody into that, what happens is they experience something they've never experienced in their life before. Because that's how I got saved. I, got, I went to church my whole life. And I had a relative who, who really came to Christ and went to a church where the gospel was really preached. And I walked in the first time and I said, I didn't even know I was looking for something, but there's something here I need. And I asked Christ into my life the very first time. And I didn't even know I was, that I was needy, needy. And it's why. It's because the promise that we stand upon, that when we gather together in his name, that, that he is with us in a special way. Why do you think the devil fights so hard at bringing disunity into a church? Because it... It disarms the most effective tool that we have for leading people into a relationship with Christ. That's why I fight for unity. That's why you need to fight for unity. It's why we're united as a church and we're a place of blessing and, and we work so hard at that. I have found that when I bring a spiritually hungry person to church that they will often give their lives to Jesus. Maybe not the first time, but in time. And you say, but, but you're the pastor. You probably just sit at the kitchen table and tell them about Jesus. You do it in a coffee shop. You want to know something, the truth? I'm highly ineffective at that. Highly ineffective. There have been very few people in my life that I've led to Christ that way. But I can't hardly really count the amount of people that I've met out in the community and I recognize there was a key as they're crawling in a tree and we've invested into them, invited them at the strategic time by leading the Spirit and they come to know Jesus as Savior. And they grow and develop in discipleship. Because there's something special when we're gathered in His name. I'm not saying just a church service, but we create this service so that's one of the things that happens here. I've found that it just incredibly effective. When I bring spiritually hungry people to church, oftentimes they come to know Jesus. See, friends, it is spiritually powerful to experience the reality of God among the family of God. It's powerful. When we gather together, we create the environment that helps people experience God's reality. And let me just share a little sidebar on that. It's why it's so important that we come to church. You're not always doing it for you. You're doing it a lot of times so that the person across the, uh, the aisle from you who's been investing for years into this person, took the risk to invite him to church and brought him that day, that you're there to be part of the unity and part of the love and you can greet them and, and they can experience the reality of God 
because of your influence. Amen. That's why it's so important. It's not about, it's not about me. It's about somebody else that, that God's using you to reach. This church will do great things for God when, when all of us understand that we're all on mission with Jesus and you're all every week looking for the opportunities and every week there's somebody else who brought somebody else and they're coming to know Christ. Friends, that's why we invite to church the people we are investing into spiritually. This is the best place to meet Jesus. This is the healthy place. This is the good and powerful place for people to meet Jesus. For grandparents, you to bring your grandkids. For you to bring your neighbors. For people to bring their school, their, their classmates. This is the place. Not the only place, but it's a good place. In church, I've found that this is really, that's all that's to it in the how. It's to invest into the people around you. To be a person that's just being a person that cares. And as you do that, you're looking to see who is open to spiritual matters. Who's Zacchaeus in a tree? Then as the Spirit leads, you share with them about Jesus, what he means in your life. I try to never be real preachy. I just talk about what Christ means in my life. I'm open about my faith. And then it's a strategic time led by the Spirit. I just invite them to come to church with me. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. People respond and come to Jesus. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. It's part of our everyday mission, being on everyday mission with Jesus. That's what it is to be on mission with Jesus. It's the how of joining with Jesus on his mission to seek and to save those who are lost. Does that make sense? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As we close in prayer, this is what I want to pray for today. I want to pray that God will reveal to our minds someone in our circle of influence who's a spiritually hungry person. He will reveal to our minds today or the next week a Zacchaeus. It's a challenge because it means I need to walk. I need to be walking close with Jesus, that I actually look like a light. And uh, Jesus said that we're positive influencers. So I got man. It puts responsibility, not a burden, but responsibility on my on me to say I want to make sure I'm living right. But as I live right and I interact with with the, with the world, living right with Jesus, I'm going to see a Zacchaeus around me. You're going to see a Zacchaeus around you. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that, Lord, this is a by popular demand topic because I have had just dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people in this church family ask me, how do I more effectively reach people for Christ? That shows our heart, God. We really are people who care. Thank you, God, that we really are. And now, Lord, I pray that we would take the truth that came from Jesus' inter- interaction with Zacchaeus and, God, it would begin to just breathe into our, into our lives and that, God, really we would be just just changed on the inside. We'd be excited because we'd recognize that our life's not just about getting up and going to work, about getting up and going to school, that it's about being on this eternal, incredible mission with Jesus. That God, we'd intentionally be like Jesus where we're engaging with people who don't know you yet. And then strategically, God, we would just talk about you in our lives and invite them to Father, I pray this for every person in this room that knows you as Savior and Lord. I pray, God, that for each one in here today, that in the coming weeks, as they are just cognitive of the fact that they're on mission with you, that, God, you would show them a Zacchaeus. 
Show them someone who's, who's crawled up in a tree. As they're kind of just talking open about their faith, somebody who says, I want to know more. Or somebody who even says, I disagree. Because it shows they actually care. And God, you'd give us the wisdom from heaven to just befriend that person, to invest into their lives, to love on them, to not be too aggressive. And then at the leading of your spirit, we'd invite them to a place where they can come to know you as Savior and Lord. So God, I pray for that gift for every person in this place that you would identify as a key for each one of us in the coming weeks. That we'd recognize that our purpose is eternal. That our connection with you is, is the core of everything in our lives. And that's what we live for.